Hello, and welcome to the Court of Alex podcast. The podcast so pure, the Comics Code Authority has never come to our door. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> I've jinxed it. I'm V, <laughs> and I'm here with Joe. Hello. And we're a podcast that uploads weekly. You can check the show notes for which comics we'll be covering this week and their timestamps, so you can skip over those titles if it's something you haven't read yet or just aren't interested in reading. We have a lot to cover this week, so I'm going to move very quickly through the list. Starting with me. (laughs) I'm just going to go ahead and get this out of the way. I read Batman Superman this week. Oh. This week it's called Batman Superman and Robin. Oh. Number 17. The artist is Ivan Reyes. Um, Basically the description is... Jean Luen Yang self-inserts as a robot and explains how he's after the perfect story to basically a kidnapped uh, Superman Batman. Great. And uh, he tells them, I want you guys to have emotion. I want you to tell an exciting story so we can sell it to the fans. And Batman and Superman are like, eh. Don't we all, Jean Luen Yang? Don't we all? Yeah. It's it's a little bit like the, those Wattpad stories where they stop the story to talk to the main characters. Oh, and just shoves kind of them shake in a closet. Them a bit. Yeah, gross. But anyways, that's basically what happens. Except it's a robot, and everything with the robot is boring. <laughs> it's he's called the uh, Artur.io. His his assistant is called the uh. archivist, and basically he's the reason that all of the panels have film. Oh. affectations on them so they all look like you know how sometimes every once in a while they'll do one page is kind of like a stylistic page where it's just a, a roll of film and mm-hmm. you follow the panels down every page is like that yeah I remember that from the last issue too but you really didn't like number 16 no I mean we spoke about it on here it's just I'm, I'm not into his way of storytelling with this like mm-hmm. where it's like oh you can just read the top film you can read the bottom film or you can read them both at the same time well this was not a choose your own adventure this was a follow along the yellow road i mean it's it's interesting to see that it wasn't mcspitlick like i thought it was yeah it might still be we might, <laughs> we might still Jim get that Lin yang cosplaying as mcspitlick <laughs> I, I don't know, but I don't like these OCs. I don't know what it is recently, but every OC I just hate. I mean, they're not good. Actually, that's not true, because as the story goes on, we get a hard cut into one of his films that he's created. Basically, the auteur says to Batman and Superman, I've created a bunch of fanfic of you guys. Just hundreds of worlds in these film canisters. So then we hard cut to one of these film canisters, where uh, Superman and Lois have fallen through a hole in a time film, whatever, mm-hmm. into another dimension. Actually, a very similar callback to a Batman-Superman story where Batman and Superman fall into a new world with their older counterparts. Do you remember that artist I love so much? Uh, the one from the past Batman-Superman who had the gothic style. David Marquette. Oh, uh, Jay Lee. Yes. That one had Jay Lee, and there was a young Batman Superman who were just kind of getting to know each other. And there was, like, a young a young Catwoman that was kind of caught between the two of them. Okay. They fall through to another dimension where they end up tangling with an older Batman and Superman who are not mm. only friends, but actually met as children. 
Oh, and have right. grown up as friends, and it's like a much happier world. Oh my goodness! And Batman is married to two Catwoman in this world, and mm-hmm. she helps the young Batman out, who is like confused at first because like, oh, that's that cat burglar. It's been causing all that chaos. Right. And she's just like, oh, honey, <laughs> let me tell you something about <laughs> me and you. So, anyways, it's a really cute story. It's really interesting because Jaylee's art is interesting. Mm-hmm. This is not that. Superman and Lois Lane fall through. They get separated. Lois Lane gets picked up by Batman and Robin, who are, you know, old-timey Batman and Robin. Robin without the pants. Yeah, fish-scaled. And we've got uh, Superman in his very classic, like, instead of the the underwear on the outside, it's shorts. Mm -hmm. He's got the red shorts. He's searching for Lois. Where is she? (laughs) And it turns out Batman and Robin have already picked her up, and they're trying to tangle with Superman for the first time. It's so funny because in this world there is no Superman. The Daily Planet blew up. The Lois Lane of this world dyed her hair blonde. Oh. She goes by um, Spider Woman or... That's not copyrighted. The Lady Spider. (laughs) Spider Lady. Spider Lady, that's what it was. Because it's the only spider <laughs> person non-copyrighted. I'm sure there's a spider ma'am out there. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> spider grandma. But this one is spider lady. And um, she will not leave the Daily Planet. She has turned it into a casino so she can be a crime boss. Oh, so this is Thomas Wayne. Flashpoint. Potentially? I don't know. I love her, okay? She is okay. so hammy. She's like a 1960s starlet uh, femme fatale, you know? Like, she's got (laughs) the long eyelashes and the purple eyeshadow, and she just bats her eyelashes, and she's like, Oh, I had a dream about you. A handsome stranger who could fly. Except I dreamed you saved us, Superman. Anyways, so she she comes into contact with Superman, and she's just like falling all over him. Mm -hmm. She's like, I've always believed that there's, you know, a way to fall through dimensions. And Lois, who is not at all jealous, by the way, she's like really into this. She's like, I gotta get an interview with this one for the Daily Planet. I'm like, no one wants that, Lois. Nobody wants to read about you meeting your alternate self in a, basically a dream. I spent the night with myself, a story by Lois Lane. <laughs> she's just trying every day to turn the Daily Planet into the Inquirer. <laughs> so, basically, Lois Lane number two, mm. I am just so excited to meet you, this is so cool, and I mean, she is not at all jealous, she's just like, you know what, we both love Superman, and... <laughs> I get it. <laughs> we can share him. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh. So they immediately have like a, a love fest where they're all like, Metropolitans, unite. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, Batman and Robin are just kind of hanging out. I was going to say, poor them. That's secondhand cringe right there. They're pretty chill with it. They, they think it's really exciting, you know? <laughs> they're like having a good time. Robin's just like, where can I put a quip? Everything has to be equipped with him. He's, like, full of jokes, and I love him, too. There is a Lex Luthor in this, of course. Right. And he has mutated both Penguin and Joker to be abominations. Oh, no. Yeah, I didn't like the designs of either of those, but I really hated Lex's design because they gave him that stupid Supergirl beard. Oh, yeah, 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 I got you Like, now. the Lex Luthor from Supergirl. Yeah, yeah. He is a mess. So the whole thing was sort of silly. They escape by jumping through the film, and then we cut back to the robot going, and that's how I got this. 
and it's just a kryptonite ring, oh which my gosh. Mm-hmm. is a bracelet that Lex Luthor was wearing in this story. He basically pulls it out of the story and says, now I've got a kryptonite ring, Superman. And Superman's like, oh no! And it's like, what will happen next time with Superman Batman? Whose side are you on? He wanted Superman to feel genuine fear, and he thought if he showed kryptonite to him, he would feel genuine fear. I feel like this would just show him more genuine confusion over everything that's going on. That's an emotion, too. And I think in a similar vein, Jin Wen Yang wants us to feel an emotion when we read his stories. And you did it. We're confused. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it sounds definitely more hokier than the one I read because I didn't read this week. Yeah. Because I just, I gave up but after you that you read one. A Choose Your Own Adventure, which is also pretty hokey. Yeah. So I'm, I'm cool with it. I mean, I like hokey. I love, like, the old stuff. I mean, the old stuff is great. <laughs> the old stuff is great. I love when Superman is hiding his identity from Lois. He's like, she reaches for my hand and it takes everything <laughs> in me to pull away. Oh, my god! And she's like, he scoops her up bridal style. He's like, we've got this, Batman. And he's like, come on, Miss Lane. And she's like, Superman, we've done this so many times. Call me Lois. And he's like, <laughs> all right, Miss Lane. <laughs> I mean, that, that is where, I will say, like, that is where Yang kind of excels, because, yeah. I don't know if you ever finished it, but I read, like, his whole Superman Smashes the Clan. I did. And, like, that is so hokey, and so very, like, late Golden Age, early Silver Age Clark and Lois, and, you know, it still has that same thing of, like, she doesn't know who he is, because he's still making himself well-known, and it's just the little, like, not even, like, inner monologues, because Clark is saying this out loud, just under his breath, like, Lois tells him, you know, to go leave and go catch a story. He's like, why would I leave when everything I could ever want is in this room? Oh. <laughs> All right. Maybe he's got a little less hokey. I don't know, but Superman is just, it's fun in this. Like, as soon as we get rid of the robot, it gets funny. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind that at all. I just kind of wish the delivery system to, like, get us to different eras of even different dimensions. I don't mind exploring different Elseworlds with Batman and Superman. I would love for them to be forced to go on a trip through all these different worlds, but this is a little bit... Yeah, and they have, like, a like an over-looming guy, like, kind of, like, try to direct them. That's been done before, too. I don't... I can't remember if there was a Superman-Batman one or if it was just a Superman one that I read, but it was McSpitlick and Batmite oh, yeah. that were controlling both Superman and Batman, like, action figures because, you know, one is more of a fan of the other, and they're like, no, Superman would win... Yeah. over Batman, no Batman, and they put him through, like, scenario after scenario and kind of, like, the same type of take. Right, right. Well, yeah. So, like, what I'm basically trying to get at is it's not the worst thing in the world. Okay. It's definitely higher up on my list than most uh, right now. Is it worth picking up again? <laughs> it depends on what he does in the next one. If the next one is all them fighting a robot, I'm gonna be like, no. But okay. if they go through another Elseworld, I'll, I'm, I'm down. Okay. I'll wait until the next one, then. I just like to read Superman with, like, a transatlantic accent in my brain. (laughs) Well, especially when you're dealing with, like, that late era, too. Yeah. I I miss it. Listen, (laughs) I'm I'm down to, like, hop into the Golden Age and just enjoy life again. Silver Age, too, honestly. I don't... Silver Age is... I kind of just blowing my mind recently. I never really knew much of the Silver Age. And, uh... Wow. Clark was a... (laughs) Clark was a monster. (laughs) 
I, I eat it all up with a spoon. I, just, <laughs> I, I like all that old stuff. I like just being crazy, you know? I mean, after witnessing, like, a lot of those issues, I understand why you didn't like Superman. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. You know, honestly, it's better than Dark Superman. It's better oh, than... Oh, yeah. I would rather see him eat bullets out of a salad bowl <laughs> than cry in the corner for a full issue. Yeah. Oh, my wife left me. Oh, my son doesn't love me. Oh, everything's going wrong. Boo-hoo. Like, that's really not what I'm about. So mm -hmm. just going back and refreshing on the fun stuff makes me really happy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so this was... It was a nice change of pace. It was a breath of fresh air for the most part. Mm -hmm. I still wish they wouldn't do that thing with the panels. Yeah. It made it really hard to read. Also, there was some, like, deterioration of the film, mm -hmm. and it went over the top of the text oh so that you couldn't even really read the text as well and i'm pretty sure that was an accident like a layering issue i don't think so because i think that i ran into the same problem last issue well someone's in trouble <laughs> so what would you rate it then i don't know if i want to give it a rate three out of five that doesn't sound really good though the way that you were hyping it up i mean i'm hyping up moments not mm. the story itself the story itself is kind of you're just a little bit too much like I don't care about a robot who's like give me a good story Batman and Superman give me give me something to show the people it, whenever there's an author character who's yelling at the the creation I, yeah. I don't like it. I didn't even like it when it was like super cool back when like Ninja Turtles when like the artist entered the realm of the Ninja Turtles and they're like oh man are you guys turtles are you my drawings <laughs> oh my wow gosh. like that kind of anytime like it's a creator talking to his creation I'm just like checked out immediately mm -hmm. and that's an entirely personal thing like I get that some people absolutely love that and that's what this is more or less even though it's a robot who just makes fanfic of Batman and Superman I'm not crazy about it mm -hmm. but I recognize that's a personal thing the moments that it creates though are good so okay. it's a little bit of this it's a little bit of that all right I get you all right so you read something sort of similar yeah I read Robin number one which uh, was done by Joshua Williamson and the art was done by Gleb Melnikov and for most of us you know we've had news about this Robin comic for months now there was a whole fighting tournament thing going on. Everybody immediately thought of Mortal Kombat. It is still very much like Mortal Kombat. Oh? You can definitely pick this up without having uh, read the Detective Comic tie-in or the Batman tie-in. Oh. And when I say tie-in, I mean, like, they just had, like, that two- to four-page backup story at the end of those two. And, you know, to get the whole picture, you had to read both of them. Mm -hmm. But uh, they do a pretty good job of kind of summing up everything that kind of happened in between. So, as we all know, Damien left. He quit being Robin because uh, he got busted for <laughs> <laughs> detaining criminals under Titan's Tower and trying to lobotomize them to right. correct their behaviors. Right, right. And... You know, he had a bunch of angst over the death of Alfred, everything that happened during Tom King's Batman run. He has a lot of aggression towards it. That's also why he wasn't around during Joker War, because mm -hmm. he ran off with Bruce's Black Book, which is basically Bruce's collection of crimes that he never solved. Right. And so Damien wants to try and solve himself to prove that he's worthy enough, but at the same time, 
he's having this inner conflict of like, do I want to go back to the Bat family or do I want to return to Nanda Parbat and you know take my place among the League of Assassins, even though the League of Assassins have completely changed since then. I don't even think like Talia's has any control ever since Event Leviathan. Mm. which is the Bendis thing, and uh, Ra's al Ghul is kind of doing his own thing, because the last time we saw Ra's al Ghul, he was fighting Zod and Batman and Superman in that one Joshua Williamson uh, comic before Future State. Oh, so Joshua Williamson has to be sort of entwined in all the events that happen, but at the same time, that's a rough place to start, because the audience, as far as I know, because I've been talking to a lot of Damien fans, mm-hmm. were not able to follow the line of reasoning for him to be lobotomized lobotomizing criminals like if you had shown me the damien at the beginning of super sons like the one who was absolutely like feral Mm -hmm. i could totally see that kid lobotomizing people but this kid who's grown so much he's moved so much past that yeah he has a no kill policy and now we're seeing him kidnapping and torturing criminals and then batman's confrontation with him was kind of like Caught you smoking weed, son, and yeah. you're not my real dad anyways. Mm-hmm. And then he runs off, and you're like, neither one of those people acted in character, and we're supposed to just go with this? Yeah, I forgot who wrote the Teen Titans uh, comic where all that happened. It wasn't Williamson, because Williamson was just only on The Flash at the time. Mm-hmm. Flash and um, Batman Superman, and didn't even come up in there. But Williamson is... Definitely replacing Scott Snyder as DC's golden boy because he's the one that's in charge of this whole infinite thing. Oh. So, him and Gleb in the Batman and the Detective Comics tie-in show Damien on his own trying to pick up a couple clues here and there from Bruce's book. Damien runs into Talia. They get ambushed by the League of Assassins and they find out about this other League of Assassins that branched off that are calling themselves the League of Lazarus trying to take over Mm -hmm. and so this is when Damien first finds out about this tournament that happens where all the greatest fighters around the world get together to show the best of the best and it's hosted by the League of Lazarus and you just have to show that you're worthy and they'll reach out to you to enter so Damien's like all right well that's going to be me I'm going to find out and I'm also going to find out why my parents never told me about this if this is apparently connected to my lineage. I'm sure there's a lot she hasn't told you. You are a child. Yeah. This is basically where that comic takes off. So we start off with Damien fighting in a cage match with King Snake. King Snake is originally a Tim Drake villain Hmm. who first appeared during Tim's miniseries back in the 90s. And he is also the father of Bane. Some of the people uh, I've followed on Twitter, they're saying like, oh, he's going after this, kind of like a sins of the father type of thing, because he has some angst against Bane, Mm -hmm. who is apparently quote unquote dead at this time after Joker War, because Joker apparently killed Bane. So they're, you know, going back and forth, throwing hits. King Snake is saying like, oh, you're the son of the bat, right? You don't kill. So you're, you're harmless to me. Like, I'm going to put you down easily. And then Damien takes him out in like three hits collects his money, and then he leaves. We also find out that uh, it's now canon that Damien is 14. When he was first introduced to DC Comics, I think he was 8 years old or 10. Hmm. So around the same age as Bruce was when he lost his parents. 
So now we know we have like a set age because he was always flopping back and forth between anywhere of 13 to 16. Right. Because just nobody knows how old anybody is anymore with this continuity thing. <laughs> it's like Teen Lantern. Yeah, it's jumped around so many times. Like if they said that, oh, oh he's going off to college, you'd be like, all right, I guess that's how old he is now. Unless he's a genius. Right. But anyway, yeah, defeats King Snake, and then he's somewhere in the Middle East, and he's just chilling on a rooftop uh, reading his little anime book about a guy who wants to be the greatest painter in the world. Kind of collides along with his own thought process of how, you know, he wants to be better than his father. He wants to be this great hero or whatever. Mm -hmm. He's also kind of reading aloud his own thoughts. He's like, come on, Hana, you have to have a plan. He's reading a lot to that. And then he gets visited by the ghost of Alfred. Everyone does. This man is chattier in death. <laughs> Alfred's basically just there to say, like, oh, did you only go after King Snake because he's the father of Bane? Damien says, like, you know, I'm trying to branch out on my own, just the same way my father did. He left Gotham to go and train, and you approved of it back then. I don't understand why you're not approving of me doing so. <laughs> and Alfred's like, well, I didn't really have a say in the matter when it came to your father. I just had to be supportive of his decisions. And Damien just says the same thing I said earlier, where he's like, you know, I'm going to find out more about this League of Lazarus, and uh, you're not real. And then the ghost of Alfred vanishes as and it's replaced by this hooded figure that was there during his fight with King Snake. And he gives him the entry token to this giant Mortal Kombat fight. Basically saying that you have to be on this boat in 15 minutes. Hmm. Otherwise you miss your entry. So Damien gets on the boat. There's three other costume people. One of them I want to say is Tigress. And this other lady they called Black Swan. Oh. So they get onto this boat. They go to the island, which is Lazarus Island. It has a giant skull in the mountaintop, you know, just like any of these other places that you've sure. probably seen before. And then we also get introduced to Rose Wilson, Ravager. Oh. This other Deathstroke lookalike that looks like a teenager called Respawn. <laughs> I hate it. So I wonder <laughs> if, like, that's the new continuity for Jericho. That sounds respawn. Yeah, I don't know. And then that kid uh, has a Fortnite account. <laughs> we get Connor Hawk because mm -hmm. he was actually teased during a Detective Comics tie-in. A couple other costume uh, figures here and there. Then we get introduced to Mother Soul, who oversees this whole giant fight for the League of Lazarus and stuff. Okay. And she tries to go over the rules of like no communicating with the outside world, no trying to leave the island. You're here for the remainder of the tournament until it's done. And before she can even go over the rules of combat, Damien interrupts her, saying, like, you talk too much. We're all here to fight. Let's just start fighting. Oh and he gosh. goes into his whole list of titles, like Khaleesi does in Game of Thrones. Oh, my god! He's like, I am the son of Batman. I am the grandson to the head oh, of the demon. They hate it. <laughs> Damien, No. I will take all of you on, or Why I will take you on one at a time. <laughs> I will say that it does give me very similar vibes to when Damien first showed up on the scene. Yeah, he's regressed. Yeah. 
And even Rose, like, tries to stop him. He's like, listen, kid, like, you don't know what you're getting into. Just wait to hear the rules before we start. He's like, no, we're all here to fight. Let's just get it over with already. Oh, my gosh. And Mother Soul says, I was hoping that we can all break bread first, but what's wrong with dinner and a show? Okay, who wants to fight him? And then uh, Williamson's new OC called Flatline who shows up. She's like, okay, I'll do it. She's got, like, this skull face paint thing kind of going on. Looks very zombie-esque, like, white hair and everything. Reminds me a little bit of, what's her name, Harper Rowe? Oh, yeah, yeah. A little so. They start fighting hand-to-hand. She's saying, you know, I, I know who you are. Basically the same thing King Snake said, where it's like, oh, you don't have a kill policy. You're not going to survive over here. Yeah. I've been trained under every single greatest warrior that's ever died. I've mastered all of their moves. How can you expect to defeat me if your father's never died? And so Damien thinks he has the upper hand on her, and then all of a sudden she deflects his attack and rips his heart out of his chest. Okay. But he's still alive and talking. And that's where the comic ends. Very straightforward. It was pretty much what I expected in terms of the setup until that last page. Mm -hmm. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. Right. It's definitely, you know, I'm curious for the next issue. I I knew walking into this, it's Mortal Kombat. I don't mind a Mortal Kombat setup, honestly. No. And I mean, like, it's a little refreshing. Yeah. But I also wonder, too, like, did they time this purposely to come out around the same time the yes. Mortal Kombat movie <laughs> arrived on HBO? 100%. And probably <laughs> Joshua Williamson also wanted to write a Mortal Kombat series, and he just does not have that on the plate. <laughs> so why not just, you know, bend your characters to your whim? Yeah. Also, I gotta say, um, Anacenti's battle for the best thief was a rockin' time. So. Oh, yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Right, so, like, this might be similar, where it's yeah. absolute chaos. It sounds chaotic, but... Why isn't Damien housebroken? Like, <laughs> he's been around rich people. He knows how to behave, how to eat in public. It's that thing where it's like, as soon as you run away from home, you think you can just act the way that you think that you always wanted to act. You can't take this kid to a McDonald's. Like, no. what is wrong with him? <laughs> but it's still that point of like, he doesn't know what he's going to do. Is he going to go back to the league or is he going to go back to Gotham? Um, yeah, I, I hope that... Uh... Joshua Williamson kind of gets a feel for him as they go on. It sounds like he's still kind of feeling him out, getting his sea legs. Yeah, well, especially because Williamson, he mainly wrote The Flash for three-plus years, and that's his favorite character. I mean, he did a pretty okay job with Batman and Superman during the whole um, You're the Villain thing when that series first started. Mm. So... So long ago. I know. Isn't that I don't crazy? I really remember much about it. <laughs> Thank God that just faded from my memory. <laughs> Like I said, it was okay. It kept me ready for the next issue, so I would give it like a 5 out of 10. Nice. All right. So we're both kind of in that like halfway mark. Yeah. I think mine was a little bit higher rated. I didn't know I was doing out of 10. For some reason, I was like, 5 out of 10. <laughs> uh, 6. 6 or 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. Nah, that's it. Okay. All right. So that's it for comic reviews. We've done the perfunctory <laughs> review portion. Mm. I, I know I wanted to, like, get that in there because I do like getting to talk at least a little bit about the comics that are coming out, even if we weren't sure we were going to like them this week. Like, I wasn't excited. Yeah, that's how I felt, too. 
But at the same time, like, there's a lot of news, and there's a lot going on. Yeah. So, I thought, you know, you might read some, off some of the things that are happening. Yeah, sure. So, for starters, uh, speaking of Joshua Williamson, like I said, he is the one that's spearheading this whole Infinite Frontier thing. The first issue of that comes out this summer. But, news about issue two, we are getting the return of Roy Harper, who we already saw is alive again after post Heroes in Crisis. Right. A la Tom King. He showed in Infinite Frontier number zero, where he tried to make a call to Ollie and Dinah to let them know, hey, uh, I don't know where I am, but I'm alive. Hope you guys are doing well. <laughs> but he decides to cancel that whole voicemail altogether. Oh. And that was all we've seen of him. Issue number two which is going to be coming out July 31st, is being done by Joshua Williamson, and the art is done by Zermanico. Zermanico hopped on for that Grant Morrison, Green Lantern, Black Stars, like, three-issue thing mm. that came out last November. So the little blurb for it says, What secrets and changes lurk inside the newly expanded multiverse? The devious director Bones of the DEO reforms a ragtag team to keep the world at bay but was highly skilled agent Cameron Chase recruited because a director needs her help or because he wants a patsy when things go south. Meanwhile, Alan Scott, the original Green Lantern, takes drastic measures to find his missing daughter. Someone kidnapped Jade, and Alan's going to find out why and bring her home. Plus, the resurrection of Roy Harper gives the former Teen Titans some unexpected and unpredictable new superpowers. Oh. Yeah, there's a lot there. For sure. Starting off with the DEO thing, every single government in the DC universe, like all those secret task force and whatnot, got demolished during Bendis' event Leviathan thing. Right. So now that's all getting retconned, thanks to Infinite Frontier. So we're getting the DEO again, we're getting Spiral again, getting Task Force X, we're getting all that stuff. Okay. Jade going missing, that has to be super recent because during that Zero issue, Alan's talks to both Jade and Obsidian about coming out as gay. So I guess this happens, like, immediately afterwards. I don't know. And yeah, now Roy is getting superpowers. What powers are they? We don't know yet. They didn't tease anything about that yet. Oh. Who knows? They did it to Damien, too, when he came back alive. Do you think they're going to do the same things to, like, Jade and Obsidian that they were kind of setting up with Future State? What was that? Well, like, Obsidian was eventually used as a weapon to destroy the world. Oh. Like, because you remember how, like, the future state, they set up everyone in different parts of the timeline mm-hmm. with Swamp Thing at the very end. Right. So at the end of Swamp Thing, Obsidian was trapped by the Floronic Man into a sort of birth chamber... Thing, and oh. it shoots an obsidian beam mm-hmm. into the sky, turns the whole world dark forever, and basically have to use special visors to see. Because obsidian was trapped at the end of time in a glass tube, sort of Nora Freeze style. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so like, I was always wondering, like, if we're making everything else from Future State come true, does this mean we're setting up that... Obsidian's gonna get nabbed, or... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. And I guess, like, it starts with kidnapping Jade first, possibly by accident, if they were going for Obsidian. We don't know. We'll stay tuned in July, I guess. 
if we're taking votes into account, please stop it. I don't really, <laughs> I didn't really like Future State. I don't want it to happen. You and everybody else that picked up Future State. Nobody likes it, and because of that, they're punishing us by giving us more. <laughs> <laughs> so, next on the list, we have a new Suicide Squad title called Suicide Squad Get Joker Number One. It's going to be... <laughs> A Black Label 3 issue by Brian Azzarello and Alex Maleev. Hmm. Alex Maleev did a lot of the interior art for Invent Leviathan. It's not bad. He also did a really nice uh, Lex Luthor variant for Year of the Villain. The description says, When Task Force X, Amanda Waller sets her sights on Batman's greatest foe, she enlists the Dark Knight's former partner Jason Todd to track down the clown prince of crime and put an end to his mad reign of terror. Okay. It's three issues. That's pretty self-explanatory. And it comes out August 3rd. Hmm. All right. I mean, it seems like a pretty, yeah, pretty cut and dry thing. I'm sure we're going to get something like we saw in Batman 3 Jokers where Jason's going to have the chance to kill him and he's probably not going to take the shot. Of course not. Joker makes too much money. But it's also a black label, so anything can happen. (laughs) And it is by Brian Azzarello, famous for the bat dick. Oh, that's right. So maybe we'll get to see some of Jason's goodies. (laughs) Jason's own batarang. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I was going for Wolverine's language. (laughs) My goodies. Oh, Jason Aaron. Oh, man. Forever remembered. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if I'll read it, honestly. Or if it'll even get made, you know? Sometimes they just don't come out. That's true. Or maybe it'll just get reverted to, like, a digital series or something like that, depending on how printing is going. (laughs) I'll pick up the first issue, just to see what it is about. Then, in terms of CW news, there's a bunch of mixed rumors going on from all the DC shows. Apparently, the actors aren't really getting along with producers and the higher-ups. I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder why. (laughs) Shocking. (laughs) Especially since Arrow canceled, Supergirl's getting canceled. I'm sure Flash is on his last legs as well. Mm. Pun intended. But yeah, Grant Gustin is apparently rumored to be leaving The Flash. Oh my gosh. Multiple sources are saying, like, Grant Gustin and a couple other actors are been having these problems behind the scenes. There's also mixed statements from Grant saying, you know, like... While he's on The Flash, especially during hiatuses and a crossover, he missed a lot of opportunities for branching out mm-hmm. in other shows and movies because of his tight contract. He would have to immediately fly back to Vancouver. So a lot of these things couldn't happen. But at the same time, you know, he's still grateful for getting to be The Flash. But, you know, just like Stephen Amell said too, and Michael Rosenbaum when he was Lex Luthor in Smallville, it's like sometimes, you know, enough's enough. And I want to say they're on their seventh season now yeah and he's in talks to renew his contract we'll see he has a very good hand to get what he wants if he does renew it just because i can't think of anyone more popular currently in the whole arrowverse like (laughs) i mean as of right now what's what's standing pretty much so supergirl is ending this season and we have the flash we have legends of tomorrow we have black lightning i'm pretty sure is still around and uh, <laughs> there's apparently going to be a season three of Batwoman. <laughs> Is that really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they got renewed somehow. I swear someone on that staff has blackmail 
<laughs> because there's no way that should have even made it through half a season. No. It's like a la- the laughing stock of the entire TV world. Their views are under half a million per episode now. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then there's also Superman and Lois, which is apparently doing really good. Yeah, apparently people like it. I still haven't watched it. I, I'm not a fan. Uh, just from what I've, the few things I've seen. Like, yeah, the Golden Age reference from episode one, that was great. But that was it for me. Yeah, there were some huge plot holes and mm-hmm. some weirdness that I just, I would just chalk up to CW. The whole premise of, like, no, Superman's not going to tell either of his twin boys <laughs> that he's Superman. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I get it. <laughs> Honestly, I'm still reeling from, like, Falcon Winter Soldier and those continuity oh, gosh, plot holes. Oh, yeah. I was getting some mad Batwoman vibes. (laughs) So, I mean, just in general, like, TV's been kind of a bummer. Mm -hmm. So, I I get it. Yeah. And uh, also, keeping on the DC train, you know that Black Label from Jeff Lemire, Sweet Tooth? Oh, yeah. It's getting a Netflix show. You didn't know that? No. I just saw the trailer for it today. And uh, it just got announced. It's coming out June 4th. And the executive producers on there is... Um, Susan Downey and her husband Robert Downey Jr. Right. Did not know that. You are so late to the train, my friend. Wow. I I thought I told you. No. I'm sorry. I only saw it because everybody started posting the trailer like crazy today. It's pretty exciting. I'm I'm happy for Lemire. You read the story though, right? I honestly can't remember if I have. <laughs> I'm like bracking my brain right now. You're the one that to told me about it, so you must have read at least a portion I of it. I must have, but I honestly can't remember a single thing about it. That's I remember right. horns. I remember nothing. It's apparently something with hybrid children, like being part animal. That makes sense. That's as much as I saw from the trailer. But, yeah, it looks interesting. I never read it. I was curious about reading it when his new one, Sweet Tooth, The Return, came out to Black Label. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll pick it up now. I have a reason to. And the last bit of news is DC Fandom number two is arriving October 16th, 2021. <laughs> I guess to <laughs> kind of have an idea, like, no one's really going to show up to New York Comic Con this year. Honestly, I... Th- I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's a great idea. Yeah. They can control the space. They can control the viewership. They can control the message. And people are always looking for those scoops. And now that we've had this first one, I feel like people got more of a handle on like what to expect is going to happen when they do their panels and stuff this time around. You know, honestly, if I were them, I would definitely make sure I spent the money to get good like um, assistance to help people with um, equipment, Mm -hmm. getting them set up, get everything shiny, perfect, and also to include more interesting panelists. Like, imagine having, like, certain famous writers give, like, their own TED Talks, and, I mean, people can do this from their house. Mm -hmm. You could have a workshop on editorial uh, stuff, you could have a workshop on art, you could have inkers come on, like, a whole panel of them, and do, like, demonstrations. And you have as much time as you want. Like, whoever you can get on board, you can have. It's just a great idea to have your own con that you can control on every level, and you don't even have to rent out a space. Yeah. I mean, it does suck for the writers and artists, though, that usually try to make bank at those conventions. Oh, absolutely. There should definitely be a Discord connected to it so that... 
people can ask questions in real time. Oh man, that would that would be swamped so much though. That's true. I mean, you, you've seen like YouTube comments and like the what is it like Twitch stream comments on those really popular ones. True. Yeah, the Twitch stream definitely has to be manned by several mods mm -hmm. who can pull questions up to the front or something. Do you think Zack Snyder's gonna get a panel? No. <laughs> it's in DC's best interest to never let that man speak again. He is like a, their personal terrorist. <laughs> Listen, Zack Snyder is the Joker of the DC Cinematic Universe. Like these people live in terror of him. And I, I know they're just waiting for someone to rescue them, but no one's coming because Batman does not exist in this world <laughs> and Snyder has free reign. But it is fun to watch the two, like, go at it. Oh, yeah. Every time Ray Fisher has another tweet prepared, yeah. every time DC's like, hey, everyone, remember how woke we are? Ray Fisher's like, hello, <laughs> I have some things to say. He's just like, I don't know how to help you guys, you know? They dug themselves too deep. Uh, good, good luck, DC. I hope you're still around for the fandom, is all yeah. I'm saying. At least until the Matt Reeves Batman movie comes out. Oh, uh, yeah. Dude, I cannot wait for that thing. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be good, I hope. Of course, I said that about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I mean, first episodes kind of sold us. I think that's where they used all their budget, though. Probably. It was not as good after that. And honestly, like, the story was so meandering and lost. Yeah. Sorry, we're not going to review that right now. <laughs> or ever. <laughs> Thank God. So, <laughs> as a special, like, I don't know, bonus in celebration of Sweet Tooth, we are going to focus on a few more indie comics this week, just as the roundup goes. Yeah. So, I wanted to kick us off with some Dark Horse comics that are coming out next week um, on the 5th. Ooh. Yeah, so here's basically what I have for my lineup is Beasts of Burden, Occupied Territory Number 2 by Evan Dorkin and Sarah Dyer. The artist is Benjamin Dewey. Now this, um, I actually have some issues, some hard copies of this. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a pretty good series. It's about a group of intelligent animals, kind of like, um, you know, like the Super Friends pets? Yeah. Yeah. So these super intelligent animals will investigate different paranormal events. There are different, like, Beasts of Burden series. So this one, Occupied Territory, I haven't read yet, but it is by the same group of people. Mm -hmm. And so I know we're only on the second issue, but obviously I can recommend this based off of past okay. um, runs of it. It's really good. I like it a lot. I like the paranormal events. I like the animals' camaraderie. Nice. After that, <laughs> Dead Dog's Bite number three. It's by writer-artist Tyler Boss. Um, this one is going to be the second to last of a four-issue miniseries. And they kind of peddle it as Twin Peaks meets Ladybird. Hmm. Basically, a girl goes missing and her best friend Joe hunts her down. <laughs> um, the art's pretty basic and bland. Oh, well. It's not as good as Fear Case. Now, Fear Case number four is coming out. It's by writer Matt Kind, and the artist is Tyler Jenkins. Oh, I know that guy, actually. You do? Yeah, he did some work for DC back in, like, early 2000s and whatnot. It's good. Like, okay. the, the art is good. It basically follows pragmatic Secret Service agent Mitchum and his new <laughs> age partner. And they investigate, like, this supernatural murder box that was... <laughs> it fell into the hands of, like, this psychotic cult. The box is called the Fear Case. 
And so um, they have to, like, face the temptation to open it. It's Mother on... Box meets Pandora. <laughs> I was thinking more like, what was that box in um, Hellraiser? <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's on my to-read list. Okay. So I can't give you much about it. I just know that the art is pretty moody and interesting. It's All right. neat. Um, also, we come to the... What do you call those IPs? Mm-hmm. God of War, Fallen God number three. <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> Never played the games, but I do know of it, and I've always been curious. I played the games. I didn't like them. I can't remember why I hated them so much. I think because I used to be kind of a straight edge, and <laughs> there was like this one scene that was like too sexy for me. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's why, but I just remember like I see the name and I'm like, ugh. Anyways, this is written by Chris Robertson. The art is by Tony Parker. Yes, it's based on the video game. It's basically after Kratos' fight Mm -hmm. with Zeus, where he has to fight the worst monster of all, himself. (laughs) No, but he does go and fight real monsters. It's just that typical, you know, like, well, I've done everything. Now Mm -hmm. I want to live a peaceful life. But they just keep pulling me back in. (laughs) So... That's basically what it well, is. Well, he has to tackle all the past mythologies. He's tackled Greek, he's tackled Roman, he's... In the last one that I know of, he tackled the Norse mythology. I think in this one he goes back to Greek. Like, I didn't see all the monsters he fights, but I, I okay. think I did see some Greek monsters in that lineup. The art isn't great, so, you know, I'm not gonna read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there you go. Also, the Orville. Oh. Uh, the Orville Digression's number one. Interesting. Yes. So this number one is by David A. Goodman. The art is by David Caveza. It's an AU prequel to the season two <laughs> finale of the show. Okay. I don't know. Which already the show itself is just a parody of Star Trek by Seth MacFarlane. I never watched it, so I don't know. That's all I know from the trailer, and the actor who plays Martin Stein from Flash is in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's all I know. But yeah, I'm gonna kick it over to you to do DC. Okay. So, now on to titles that I know about. All right. We have Batman number 108. We have Batman The Adventures Continue Season 2 number 1. Ooh. Still being done by the creative team of Paul Dini and Alan Burnett, with the art being done by Ty Templeton. Still taking place in the Batman animated universe. I am so happy this is back. I thought it was just like a cancellation or something because I wasn't getting any more issues in my comic box. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad it's back. One of the best titles. Definitely pick it up if you haven't caught up already. Then we have Batman Fortnite Zero Point Number Two. The first one got some good ratings. I was going to say, not only did it get good ratings, it sold out the first day at my local comic shop, apparently within the first hour of them being opened. I heard the writing's really good, so definitely check this out if you can get your hands on it. I also heard for you there is some great Batman-Catwoman chemistry. Yeah, that's... <laughs> we'll see about that. I have to see this for myself. But, like, of all places, a Fortnite comic. <laughs> I'm into it. Then we also have Crime Syndicate number three. We have a Black Label Sandman universe, The Dreaming, Waking Hours, number 10, Green Lantern, number 2, Man Bat, number 4, Mr. Miracle, The Source of Freedom, number 1. This is being done by Brandon Easton. Yeah. And the art is done by Fico Osio. I am sure. so sorry if I said that wrong. 
The blurb is, spinning out of D.C. future state, because what isn't nowadays? The story of how Shiloh Norman became the Mr. Miracle of tomorrow starts here. Mr. Miracle used to be the hottest ticket in town. Whether you caught him on stage escaping from perilous traps or spotted him on the streets of Metropolis taking out the bad guys, what Shiloh Norman forgot is the first rule of both showbiz and superheroing. Always leave them wanting more. Now it's time to start showing the world what a miracle man can do. (laughs) Showbiz superhero rule number two, timing is everything. There's a new performer in town who wants to knock Mr. Miracle off his pedestal, stake a claim to his famous moniker. Can Shiloh break free of this trap? Why, yes, that is a clue. What? Why is that a clue? I don't know. I didn't read it. It was part of the Superman of Metropolis bundle. During Future State. Oh! It was one of those three stories in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, good luck, Mr. Easton. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) Then we have uh, the printed version of The Next Batman Second Son, issue two. Sensational Wonder Woman being printed now, issue three. The first issue of Stargirl Spring Break Special. Being written by Jeff Johns and right. artist Todd Knock. Right, right. I am definitely going to pick this up. Of course. So, blurb is legendary comics writer Jeff Johns returns with his breakthrough hero Stargirl in a special one-shot illustrated by Todd Knock. Courtney Whitmore's spring break plans aren't like your average high schoolers. Instead of hanging out with friends, she's heading out on an adventure with her stepfather, Pat Dugan, a.k.a. Stripe. And teaming up with his former team, the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Soldiers are forced to reunite again to unearth the secret eighth soldier of victory. But what other secrets lie buried, and what does it all mean for Courtney's future as Stargirl? It's nice to see GJ on Stargirl again. Yeah, seriously. All right. Well, I'll definitely read that. Mm -hmm. I mean, normally those high school things, I feel like I kind of grew out of them. But especially seeing Todd Knox art in it, it's definitely giving major nostalgia for, like, Young Justice. Right, right. Ugh, can't wait. Then we have Suicide Squad number three and The Swamp Thing number three. Very nice. That's a full list. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to break tradition. Instead of going right into Marvel, I'm going to toss in some Image comics. Oh, some more indies. If you aren't familiar with Image, they basically run a service where if they approve your comic, you still own the comic. You just have to earn back the amount it costs to get it printed. And then you get to keep the leftover money. Oh. So basically Image makes money off of you, (laughs) but you still are kind of the creator owner. Most people are probably going to get to knowing them now too because of Amazon's Invincible TV show. Well, hopefully more people check out the Image collection. It's pretty big. Um, It's pretty varied. Obviously mileage varies. Some Mm -hmm. of it is really bad and some of it is really good. Yeah, I've had my fair share, but we've read some pretty good ones, like the whole Jeff Lemire, Dustin Wen, uh, Descender and Ascender. Mm-hmm. And I will say the Invincible comics are better than the show, in my opinion, even though Absolutely. that just got picked up for season two. Invincible is kind of one of those books you pick up at a comic con because you like the creator, mm-hmm. and you pick it up and you're like, yes, this is great, and you read it, but then you read it more and you read more, and you feel connected because it feels very homemade. Um, it's not like super fancy writing, it's not super fancy art, but it pretty much speaks to like what you look for in a superhero film or story, especially a homespun one. 
I feel like that didn't quite make the transition into the TV show for me. Yeah, no, the TV show went the Zack Snyder route, or the boys route, however you want to view it, because it is by Amazon, and I feel like they had a lot more say in it than I was expecting them to. Yeah, it kind of feels like it was sort of diced up and put back together a little bit wrong. Yeah. So, like, a lot of the elements are there, they're just out of order in a way that I felt was really unappealing to me. It's really not. I mean, for me... Personally, I'm not a fan of, like, the blood and gore. Mm -hmm. And if you want to have a corrupt Superman, sure. I've I've read Injustice. Yeah, you like Injustice. I do. I I like that it's out of continuity for the most part. (laughs) And um, I'm interested to see new heroes and whatnot. And I do laugh at references to the iconic heroes that we know and getting to pinpoint, like, what they ripped off and what they haven't. Of course. I like comparing the two mediums. However, it was pretty obvious right from the beginning that they didn't have enough character development to yeah. justify the shock value. Mm-hmm. So we see something really shocking pretty early on that is held back in the comic for yeah. a while. And you don't care about the characters enough to make it have an emotional impact. It just kind of hits you in the stomach instead of the heart. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot more of that shoehorning that we're seeing a lot more of in these shows like Falcon Winter Soldier. I don't know how to phrase it, but, like, the the character Amber, mm-hmm. or whatever, that's supposed to be dating Mark. I don't really like how she's portrayed. I mean, granted, I didn't get up to that part in the Invincible comics yet, so mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how she's portrayed. But, I don't know, just based off the last episode I saw, she breaks up with him because she knows that he is a superhero, but she's upset that he didn't tell her. And he tries to explain it's because of the secret identity thing, and she's mm-hmm. like, oh, so you don't trust me. And then he explains about it to his best friend, and he's like, yeah, you were a crappy boyfriend, sorry, not sorry. And then he explains to his other friend, and she's like, well, you were wrong to string her along for so many months. Even though they kind of pressured him into it. Yeah. He kind of feels like a cardboard cutout. He doesn't feel like a real person to me. He doesn't have any unique attributes, aside from, like, protagonist. Honestly, that's how all the characters in the show feel to me even in the comic itself like i don't love it mm-hmm. and i don't hate it i'm just like it's keeping my interest right and i kind of have an idea of like where the story is heading i know a little bit of what to expect just because i've read you know both dc and marvel where they're taking ideas from right there are a lot of rip-offs like straight parodies mm-hmm. a lot of this Every deviation they make is kind of gross, yeah. especially in the show, where it's just kind of icky, and I feel dirty after watching it, so yeah. like I can deal with gore. I like gore when it's well-placed, mm-hmm. but it just feels like it's it's there to shock, and it doesn't have any justification behind it, so you're just kind of watching gross things, and checked on IMDb to make sure like I wasn't the only one, and it seems to be pretty common. A lot of people feel extremely turned off by the show, which yeah. is unfortunate, because... I was really excited to see an Image comic being promoted like this mm-hmm. and actually seeing such a stellar cast. Yeah. I know. Like, the voice casting alone, all the different actors and actresses that they were able to get for this show is unbelievable. The real pain for me, the pain point, I guess, is that I loved Sky High so <laughs> much. And this sets itself up like it's going to be a Sky High situation. Mm-hmm. We're, we're basically starting the Sky High story and they're like, but it's dark and gritty. And you're like, but wait, where's the personal connection that makes you care for these characters? <laughs> I think I was like talking about it before. It reminds me of um, Control-Alt-Delete, that webcomic, 
You were telling me about that. I know nothing of it. Yeah, it's just like main character is boy. Boy has dirty jokes, dirty mind, and Mm. does typical boy things. Everyone else revolves around boy. It's very shallow, and it's very boring and bland and easy to roast. The other problem, too, is like this thing came out in 2003, the comic itself, and now they're trying to... They're trying to modernize it, and like you know, it's still two thousands. Yeah, but they we... tried to insert like social justice issues. They tried to switch the races of characters, and because they didn't update a lot of the plots, everything kind of feels shoehorned in. I yeah. see what you're saying now. Yeah, it doesn't quite fit. It doesn't flow organically. Mm-hmm. It feels like they were like, oh, this is too modern white boy. We gotta mix it up with yeah. some stuff. Yeah, and again, like just the pacing itself could definitely use some work. Uh, granted, I understand it's a TV show. They have a 30-minute uh, per episode. I'm not sure what their episode list entails for a season. Yeah, but we've seen good stuff in 30 minutes before. Yeah. This isn't that hard. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I feel like it's just because it's on Amazon and like they saw the success of the boys, so they kind of want to copy that in an animated format. Yeah, it's it's kind of crappy, but I don't even want to like dish on it too hard because I'm I'm so happy that they got this far. I just feel bad that I didn't like the results. Yeah, because I really wanted to support it, and I wanted to get into the series. Yeah, but... plus it has like a lot of people I know have liked it, so I just was like shocked. Mm-hmm. But sorry, this turned into like a segue. Yeah, so here are the image comics that are coming out next week. We have Bliss Number Seven by Sean Lewis. Artist Caitlin Yarsky. Uh, we talked about it before on this podcast. Yeah, I think I said it was pretty good. I wasn't as invested in the story as I wanted to be, so I just kind of dropped it. But the art is gorgeous. We are almost finished with it. It is seven out of eight. Oh, okay. So it's just kind of closing up. If you're one of those people who likes to read the entire series, like maybe not next week, but the one after that, <laughs> you can grab the full series. So it's just about done. Commanders in Crisis, number six. Right. Steven Orlando, artist David Tinto. The Notorious Series. (laughs) Commanders in Crisis continues to hit every social justice speed bump on its way to the bottom. Yeah. I picked it up because I root for (laughs) Steve Orlando. I really love this Martian Manhunter run. Um, I didn't get halfway through the first issue. Talk about shoehorn. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of plot holes. It's a, it's a little messy, but you know what? If you are one of those people who's trying to support more social justice issues in your comics, pick it up now. <laughs> Deep Beyond number four by David Goy and Mirka Andolfo. Deep Beyond is kind of a sci-fi story about an underpopulated Earth. It claims to be the 100 meets low. Okay. But we all know it's a fanfic of what the snap might have been like if Marvel had found <laughs> it. Well, now I want to pick it up. Yeah, there you go. See, <laughs> Plus, I'm helping. I know Andolfo, too. They've done some work for both DC and Marvel. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Die number 16 by writer Kieran Gillen and artist Stephanie Hans. It was marketed as a goth Jumanji. <laughs> okay. Basically, it's every other D&D... It's a whole genre for me where, like, someone was like, I'm in a D&D group and I want to write about our adventures. I mean, that's the biggest thing now. We're all doing it during lockup. Uh, I mean, quarantine. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Anyways, it's about a group of middle-aged adults who return to a D&D game they played in their teens. Um, it kind of reads like a webcomic for me. I wonder if they uh, got the inspiration from that group of guys that played the same campaign for 36 years. 
No, they probably got it from one of the 40 other webcomics <laughs> about D&D campaigns. But you know what? High fantasy is high fantasy. I if mean, you want it, go get it. It's issue 16, though. That's a, that's a bit to catch up on. Yeah, some people like that. You know, just have a lot to read at yeah, once. Yeah, I'll check it out. Um, the Good Asian Number 1 by Pornsack Pichichot. Okay. Uh, yeah, and the artist Alexandre Tefenki. Let me see, what did Pornsack do? He did The Infidel. Don't know it. Um, this is a previous image series, I think. This one's called The Good Asian. It's kind of like a Chinatown noir. Okay. Yeah, it follows Edison Hark. He's this, you know, self-loathing detective, as you gotta be, mm-hmm. Chinese-American, on the trail of a killer in 1936 Chinatown. Ooh. It's about the first generation of Americans to come of age under an immigration ban, the Chinese as they're besieged by rampant murders, abusive police, and a world that seemingly never changes. I wonder which Chinatown this is. You don't think it's New York Chinatown? Well, it could be New York or it could be San Francisco. Ah, you're right. You're right. Anyways, that's where we're at. Hey Kids Comics, number one. Where? This one's called Volume 2, Profits and Loss. It's by writer and artist Howard Chaikin. It's kind of seems like another self-indulgent vanity project to me. Oh, really? Yeah, the art's kind of dismal. I don't really know what to say about it. Okay. Um, Inkblot number 8 is coming out. Writer and artist combo Emma Kubert and Rusty Glad. This one is also a high fantasy adventure. <laughs> it's about a powerful sorceress who has to correct her worst mistake creating a time-traveling cat that threatens to unravel all of space and time because it just won't listen to commands. Okay. Uh, The art isn't great, but I do want to say that's the most interesting plot I've been given so far today. (laughs) Noctera number three. I know this one. Uh, This is a Scott Snyder and Tony S. Daniel indie. Yeah. I wrote a blurb for it. You want to hear my blurb? Sure. Who runs the world? (laughs) Human shades. What? So the world is run by human shades now. Basically night monsters, zombie-ish things. Okay. Demons. The only hope is to stay out of the dark in artificial light. We're going to follow a fairy man around. Um, Her name's Val. She transports people and goods through this new dark hellscape. Yeah, Snyder drank the dark metal a little too deeply, <laughs> and he's having trouble letting go. Okay. So. I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't pick up that first one. Hey, you like dark metal, right? I did. It's more um, of that. But I also watched him spiral out of control with death metal. Did I hallucinate, or was there a bat truck? There was a bat truck, and there was a, a bat baby. <laughs> Oh, Snyder. <laughs> Don't forget the T-Rex. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> well, tell us about Marvel. Okay, so Marvel, we have The Amazing Spider-Man number 65. Apparently Nick Spencer's off the run, but his name keeps showing up on all these covers. So I don't know when he's officially going to be off of Spider-Man. Mm. Who knows? I'll pick it up then. Then we have America Chavez, Made in the USA, number three. Carnage, Black, White, and Blood, number three. I tried reading the first issue yesterday i could not no no it was really really bad oh man we are striking out with these uh, colored seriously comics. and then we have children of the atom number three which is an x-men thing hellions number 11 another x-men thing then we get their big event heroes reborn number one being done by jason aaron oh gosh. and art by ed mcginnis 
who I haven't seen since the Superman run of the 2000s. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's a world without Avengers. Welcome to a world where Tony Stark never built an Iron Man armor. Where Thor is a hard-drinking atheist who despises hammers. What? Where Wakanda is dismissed as a myth. And where Captain America was never found in the ice because there were no Avengers to find him. <laughs> Instead, this world has always been protected by Earth's mightiest heroes, the Squadron Supreme of America. And now the Squadron faces an attack from some of their fiercest enemies, like Dr. Juggernaut, the Black Skull, the Silver Witch, and Thanos with his Infinity Rings. But why is Daywalker Blade the one man alive who seems to remember that the entire world was somehow been reborn? <laughs> this is pretty much Jason Aaron saying, I'm stuck at Marvel, but I want to write a Justice League story. Because that's all the Squadron Supreme is. Hyperion is based off of Superman. Power Princess is Wonder Woman. Right, right. Down to the literally exact physical features and outfit. Just different color palette. Now we have Infinity Rings. Mm, Ring a bell? Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Stop reading these blurbs. I'm cringing so hard. I was more interested in picking this up two months ago when we first got word of this. Now that I know who Jason Aaron is, I don't want to know anything about Hyperion's goodies. <laughs> this you know what? He may, he may be better now. I just... This does not sound like it's going to be any type of goodies. Stop it. <laughs> okay, you're banned from talking. I'm taking over. Get no, I'm here. almost done. No, you're not. I have three more number ones I have to read because no, it's you don't. freaking Marvel. Don't do this to me. Then we have Iron Fist, Heart of the Dragon, number five. The Immortal Hulk, number 46. Marauders, number 20. The Marvels, number two. Star Wars War on the Bounty Hunters Alpha number one, written by Charles Soule, artist by Steve McNiven. Star Wars comic event you've been waiting for. The notorious bounty hunter Boba Fett has finally landed his greatest prize, Han Solo, frozen in carbonite for easy transport. Fett will bring the smuggler to Tatooine to collect the massive bounty placed on Solo's head by the fearsome crime lord Jabba the Hutt. Sounds easy. What can go wrong? Anything. Here's the thing. Marvel, give Star Wars back to Dark Horse. They did right. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but everything I've picked up, Star Wars related from Marvel, since they took it over, has been terrible. Yeah, like, I've been trying to read the Greg Pak Darth Vader one. Mm -hmm. I think it's on issue 11 now as of last week, and like, I think three issues ago, I literally asked myself, like, why am I reading this? I'm not even enjoying it, and then I continued to read it. <laughs> <laughs> their prime demographic <laughs> but if that description alone didn't pull you into this and wanted to pick this up i have the same exact comic except it's a director's cut what yes so i just read you star wars war and the bounty hunters alpha number one now i'm giving you star wars war and the bounty hunters alpha director's cut number one still being written by charles soul still being drawn by steve mcniven Wait, they're coming out at the same time? Yes, the same week. You can get the regular version, or you can get the director's cut. Oh, what's the difference? I'll tell you. Says this year's blockbuster Star Wars comic event in director's cut form. Boba Fett will stop at nothing to get the job done, transporting his latest, greatest bounty. Han Solo should be an easy payday. But there's just one problem, a big one, and someone's going to pay for it experience Charles Soule's epic space-shattering story in director's cut format. 
complete with Steve McNiven's mind-blowing black and white art and more incredible bonus features. Okay, so there's a poor person, Star Wars War on the Bounty Hunters Alpha, and then there's the rich person, War on the Bounty Hunters This just sounds alpha. like, here's Zack Snyder's Justice League. Now here's the same thing except in black and white. <laughs> I don't understand how this was supposed what was the logic here? There was none. There's like, oh, I think we're a little empty on number ones this month. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Why did you read that to me twice? I'm so angry with you. <laughs> then we, oh, I have two more I have to read. I don't want to hear them. <laughs> we have Strange Academy number 10, Thor and Loki Double Trouble number 3, The Union number 5, and then the last one is X-Men Curse of the Man-Thing number 1. This is part three of Steve Orlando's six-issue series, Whitman Thing. Art is still being done by Andrea Brocardo. Man Thing's tragic curse has finally been revealed, but it's under new management. Years ago, Dr. Ted Salas was ready to give up anything to crack the SO2 serum and deliver success to his growing family. Unbeknownst to the rest of the world, he did. Today, as cities spanning from the U.S. to Krakoa, are besieged by fear-driven blazes, the Man-Thing must reckon with his past deeds if he hopes to emerge renewed and rescue a world on fire. But fighting from his lowest means the Man-Thing can rise to his highest. Especially with the unexpected help of the X-Men resident sorceress Magic and her debuting team of monstrous mutants known as the Dark Riders. Magic will lead one of the most electric group of mutants ever assembled. A fearsome mix of fan favorites and obscure delights like Marrow, Forearm, Shark Girl, Wolf Club, and Mammomax. I know none of them, except for Marrow, because we just covered her in that Women of Marvel thing. Right, right. I feel like that could have been, like, half as long as it was. That's a lot of these, though. It's just like, he has to go to his lowest to get to his highest. Like, please, sir. <laughs> you gonna read it? No. Oh. I stopped after the first issue. That was the Avengers one. I... I don't know. It was boring to me. Yeah. It was boring. And again, the main problem with me is that I don't really know these Marvel characters. Right. And I don't have an interest to go back and learn more. That is honestly the biggest critique I hear across the board from people who drop Marvel, especially X-Men properties, is that it's just too bloated with characters and they just can't get a hold on them. Like, we don't want more exciting characters. And this is for you too, DC. <laughs> this is for everyone who keeps making new OCs. Listen, we're not looking for disposable characters. We are all about renewables here. We're mm -hmm. all about sustainability. So you give us a character, you tell us why we should like them, and you keep them around. We want Green Lanterns, we want Jessica Cruz. When she was new, they hit us right in the motions right away, and mm -hmm. that's why everyone will fight to the death to protect her. It's like that with a lot of these characters that have staying power. It's not because they had fancy suits. It's not because they had cool names or cool powers. It's because they were interesting people. Yeah. And there are a lot of characters. They just keep dragging up. They give us a run through of them and then they throw them back in the toy box and pull up a new one. Yeah, because as soon as a new writer's on board for that specific title, those OCs are just long forgotten. Or they don't even survive more than two story arcs. Yeah, it's just a thing. I don't get why people just make characters to throw them away like that. Especially I, if they're supposed to be important. Yeah, and not only that, like, let's say, like, DC, for example. Instead of making 
20 OCs for three story arcs, why don't you just use any of the older characters that we haven't seen in the past decade? But if they didn't do well the first time around, what's to say they'll do well the second? Well, some of them have. Like, we're not seeing any of the JSA anymore. We're mm. not seeing a lot of these other former Teen Titans. A lot of the Justice League members, like Ice and Fire or whatever. That's I know true. Booster Gold and Blue Beetle are making a comeback, but, you know, them as well. Or Jaime Reyes. Yeah, but you have to make sure those people do well. Because if they don't do well, they're just going to throw them back in the toy box. So mm. we have to actually, like... If you want to see more Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, you need to actually buy those comics. Yeah, and like, I appreciate that now DC seems like they're trying to transition into this omniverse and try to fix a lot of problems that happened, but at the same time, they're like, okay, we're going to try and resolve these problems while we're also pushing Future State. Yeah, I think they're just too invested. Like, they really thought that was going to be a thing. They thought people would like it. Mm -hmm. Who did they try this out on? They didn't. That's the problem. They must have had somebody they tried this out on and said, does this sound good? And they were like, yeah, that sounds great. Unless it's just, again, like, it's just AT&T just saying, like, no, just greenlight it. Like, screw what all those people are saying about your CW franchises and your comic franchises. But, like, this is why comic writers and artists are breaking away more into their own indies and why they are saying you know a lot more comic readers are just picking up trades of older stories yeah it could just be the money's drying up and that's why they're taking off well that too like in dc's case where they had all these layoffs so now you have books like batman detective and action comics which have to share the title with a whole other writing and artist team yeah, I don't know. And then they damp it down even more by having three to four variants on those titles because they know they're not really going to sell well. So they better get some beautiful variants on there to kind of balance out the prices. Yeah, but like that practice has been going on forever. Yeah. Yeah, I, d I don't know what's going to happen with DC. I know that Marvel's kind of hitting a, a speed bump as well because I think like a lot of the direction they're going in currently, at least at Marvel, doesn't seem really appealing to me. I don't really like the choices I've seen. Like, Black Widow should have gotten a movie, like, way before, and now yeah. we're kind of, it's too little too late. <laughs> well, yeah, because now it just feels like, all right, here's your movie. We could have released it on demand last year if we wanted to. And the other thing, too, that I've actually been seeing a lot more of is, like, they seem to be making these stories just so they can get adapt into animated or live action. Mm-hmm then we have the portrayals from actors and actresses on those movies and TV shows, and then those portrayals then become the comic canon. Mm-hmm, right. So it's a lot of, like, let's just make a crappy story because it'll look better on screen than it would in the pages. I mean, that's a theory. And I see it sometimes where I'll see something and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that person's just kind of angling for a TV job. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of them are really blatant, <laughs> but for the most part, I think people are writing comics for comics. Yeah, but it also seems like Marvel is just hyper-fixated on the MCU, and that's that, when mm -hmm. it comes to their superheroes. Yeah, I think that's because they know that's where the money is. Yeah. Like, as far as comics go, and this is like a few years ago, I saw some prices for what they were paying artists, what they were paying writers, and I was like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, hard pass. Yeah. Not for me, thank you. Mm -hmm. The same with Vertigo, which was DC's like All right, black sort of label. like starting base level. If you want to get hired at DC, you start at Vertigo. <laughs> it 
comics is a hard game. And I think a lot of people who are successful at it have learned, like, you get more money if you do it yourself. Yeah. So to them, more power to you, to everybody who's stuck at the two big uh, companies. I'm so sorry. I'm still going to keep reading the stories. <laughs> so at least we're, we're trying to support you. Yeah. We're, I mean, I'm really desperately trying, but, like, ever since the DC's return from Future State like this year it's like they haven't returned from it because Future State is still a thing mm-hmm. and they're just pushing that into the comics because like we said it was a potential future but we want to make it a reality right well listen I'm still gonna keep buying some of them and I'm still going to keep reading a lot of them but I'm not going to stick it out with them entirely. Listen, if another Tom Keen Batman thing happens, I'm not going to wait until issue 100 to walk, you know? I'm not going to wait around for two years reading terrible stories and then finally go, enough is enough. Well, even like what we were saying with the last Batman review, like we were both ready to just kind of walk after this. Right, I didn't even really want to pick up Batman again, and that's... One of the reasons why I was sort of leaning into Batman Superman Mm -hmm. is because at least it's something new. It's something different. It does seem to be the ground where you play if you don't want to, like, stick to the main continuity. You want to experiment a little more. I like that. Yeah, but that's how I felt, too, with with the action comics thing. I'm like, oh, Bendis is gone. I'm really trying to give Philip Kennedy Johnson a chance here. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, I told you the last time where it just feels like that depression mode of Tom King's Batman run. Right, right. Where you're just kicking this can around and hoping it sticks to something. Yeah, it's not a great way to write. And I feel like if you're looking at the most recent comics as inspiration, you're not going to find it. Yeah. You definitely have to reach back. And you know what? A lot of the dynamics, the most interesting dynamics of, like, Superman trying to keep his identity secret from Lois Lane. <laughs> like, those are fun things that I really do miss. Yeah. But then there are other things you can do. You can do Elseworlds. You could do any exploration of the other, you know, dimensions. Yeah, especially because, like, they reintroduced the Elseworlds during Infinite Frontier. Right. But we haven't seen anything of it yet. Give me that gaslight, Gotham, please. Oh, my gosh. And you know what, DC? We do not have to follow Batman around all the time, okay? I know we have <laughs> Detective Comics and we have Batman. And the writers on them, listen... I know Tinian claims to love Batman, but I'm not seeing that in his writing. So here's my proposal, okay? Listen closely. Here it is. I want to see a Jimmy and Robin team up. <laughs> you scoff, but what if... Maybe not Damien, okay? Maybe Tim. Tim's not doing anything. Let's have Tim team up with Jimmy, and then they go on a time-traveling adventure together. Why stop there? Let's just get back some good Golden Age and just get Dick Grayson with his fish scales to hang out with Golden Age Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. Or maybe, what if we we could do it on, like, one of those, the younger Earth? Was it Earth 2? Sure. Or we could throw them over to um, the gender-bent Earth. Oh, Earth 11. What What does that Robin and, and Jimmy counterpart look like? Well, I mean, now that we have the Omniverse, you could just pick any number. Yeah. Any number, any letter if you wanted to. Sure. Let's put them in, like, a future where blimps took off. That's, like, my favorite thing about Gotham. <laughs> I want blimps. So those two together, we could even do the fan favorite Batgirl and Supergirl team up. Mm. Why not? We haven't seen what Elena Wayne has been doing with Superwoman. You know, there's like all sorts of crazy stuff you can do. And you can just go completely nuts because the Bat Fam, it's too big right now. So you don't need to make up any new characters. Yeah. You can just go crazy. 
Yeah, Signal honestly has not had enough love, in my opinion. Outsiders did terrible things to him. It set things up that never had any payoff. I still don't know why he emits dark light. Oh, that was from You're the Villain. He got the superpower from Lex. Right. But, like, I never felt like there was a payoff to it. I never felt like there was a resolution or a reason for it. Mm -hmm. Unless it helps him solve crimes because he's emitting black light and now he can see... (laughs) (laughs) Forensics? He can see semen stains (laughs) on the inside of cars. I don't know. But... (laughs) I'm also not getting enough love. I'm going to pull a muse. I'm going to say, what about Tim? Tim hasn't really been seen ever since Bendis' Young Justice and his couple tie-ins to Joker War, and apparently he's showing up in the next Nightwing issue. Both Tim and Dick are going to be riding a subway, like the rooftop again, like they did in the 90s. So you know, That's adorable. It's adorable, but what I've been starting to see with Tom Taylor's uh, comics, it's a lot of surface-level fan service, Mm -hmm. where it's just like, I'm going to pick these couple things that I see fan art of all the time on Instagram and Tumblr and whatever, and I'm going to put that in the story. You want the headcanon of the fan? Family group chat, here you go. Now it's canon. But you know what? That's almost like the opposite of Bendis. That's like the anti-Bendis mentality. Like, neither of them is really reaching for a genuine story, but at least this way you get some listening to the fans well, and yeah. not actively trying to harm them. I mean, listen, fan service is good. It can be funny. It can be lighthearted. But that cannot be the only thing in your story. Like, there has to be an actual plot to your story here. Sure, sure. Other than Dick has all this money and he doesn't know what to do with it. He's <laughs> done that Dick. his entire life. Uh, Why is this any different? Yeah. And actually, Tim had control of the money for a while, so maybe Tim can give him some oh, guidance. Yeah. <laughs> he has to seek out Tim. Do you know how to use money? I'm just a humble circus boy. I don't know how the dollar works. I always just would go, Mr. Batman, can I have an allowance? And he would give me his credit card. It's really funny you said that, too, because the preview of the comic is Tim returning Dick his wallet that got stolen to him. <laughs> <laughs> we knew you were bad with money, Dick. We didn't know you were this bad. <laughs> Oh, man. It's so silly. I really hated that he got his wallet stolen and that, like, his overactive yeah. reactions. I mean, granted, I know, I know Muse loved it. I can't. It's better than nothing. I but honestly, bottom of the barrel. That can't be the, the defense every time. Not every time, but at least we're <laughs> heading upward, in my opinion. It's still better than Amnesia Rick. Yeah. Or Super Secret Spy Rick. But it, that just makes me wonder, too, especially after reading the action comics of this week, where it was more kicking the can and stuff and transitioning John into Superman. It's like, I'm wondering how many of these stories are actually what those writers wanted to tell. Mm. and how much of it is DC or whoever saying like no 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 we're going to this direction and you're the transitional writer right yeah that's been a difficult one for us especially because we knew that even though Tom Keen's vision was terrible we know that he was headed a direction that was counter to that of DC right and I really don't think that their decisions necessarily made it better Mm -hmm. well even again like Kennedy Johnson for example in the infinite issue zero he had John Jones uh, monologuing to Diana saying that John Kent is a monster and should never become Superman and you're like how much of that is him and how much of that is the company Right, because then you have his run right now where he is just being put into this position of my dad is getting weaker and I need to be Superman, but I don't want to be Superman. Mm. So I don't know which one was actually his true voice. 
Mm-hmm. Again, like, because now we have the Tom Taylor Superman title coming out, focusing on future state John Kent. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I just know that John's been mishandled every time anyone touches him, and we need to stop that. Yeah, just give me a Super Sons Adventure Part 4. Just want to live in the Super <laughs> Sons time capsule. But, yeah, I mean, we've we've groused about John a lot and how we wanted to see him grow up and, mm-hmm. and have a good family life. And, you know, how many superheroes get to have a stable family? Yeah. Superman got it. We just want the same for John. And I know, Grant, like, you have the argument of, like, well, that's just part of the job. It's never going to be, like, picking up daisies for everybody. That's not part of the job, though. That was so out of character for everyone involved. It's just hard to include it in canon. This is just what happens when you don't have editors or whoever put in their... Like, no, we... You cannot be writing a story. Cut back those 50 issues and go back into this path. Or look at the Bible that we apparently have for each major DC character. Oh, but Bendis has looked at the Bible. <laughs> he has mocked it. I know he knows what's in it. But here's the thing. He does not care. He never has. Well, that's what I mean. It's like, too what, late to how stop are, How are people like that? Or, like, how is any of that getting getting away with it, you know? Yeah. Like... Why aren't people actually approving these stories is what I'm getting at? Because the people in charge of DC do not care about Superman as much as you do. (sighs) It hurts, but it's true. But yeah, I just wanted to throw out some ideas out there in case you were feeling a little stale, DC. (laughs) You can do a lot of stuff that's not related to Future State, but that is related to all of those universes out there. You, You have the world at your disposal. You can do anything. It's like Star Wars. You could branch off in any direction. Yeah. You could do anything without the Skywalkers, and yet you seem <laughs> incapable of moving away from them. It's it's beating the dead horse thing, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, Skywalkers make us money. Batman makes us money. I'm not going to pull a Josh and say kill Batman, because <laughs> y'all know I'm here for any faithful Batman adaption. Mm-hmm. But, like, we can do with another Gotham City Sirens. Yeah. We could do with, like, seeing um, some characters getting fleshed out. Harper Rowe, I did see, like, some development in the, the Punchline comic. However, it was very <laughs> surface level, and I didn't feel like I actually knew her. It was a lot like the Batgirl run that was written by, oh, what was his name? Cameron Stewart? Thank you. <laughs> Cameron Stewart's run of Batgirl was very superficial it kind of set her up like she was in Sex in the City. Oh, right. I remember you telling me this. It was very lame. And so, like, there's that kind of development, and then there's the kind of development where we see how people can grow closer with other characters. We kind of have questions answered. We see how they interact with the world around them. I know I'm beating a dead horse, but, like, I don't think it's hard to write comics. I really don't. <laughs> and I would love to see more of it in the hands of people who are passionate about it, but yeah. I don't know if... There are other things like meddling from upper management that makes it impossible. Mm-hmm. Or if it's just money, you're not able to hire good writers anymore. You're not able to pay out good artists. Yeah. <laughs> because a lot of the stuff is just absolutely bonkers. Do you think that after reading like the, the indies coming out next week, that made you more interested to look into some more indies? Because you've been more into the indie-verse than I have. It's true, but I'm very selective. You know this. Mm-hmm. I'm very picky. So here it is. Like, if you write a D&D comic, that's already going to ha- be working against you because I'm very biased against D&D comics. <laughs> I like horror. There have been more horror in past years. 
I feel like it's kind of in a dry spell right now. Mm-hmm. I like some high fantasy if it's done well, but in comics, a lot of times it's not. Um, there's some old indies that I would highly recommend. The new stuff, I haven't really grabbed onto a ton of it. Yeah. So I haven't been chasing any down. Definitely check out Sweet Tooth. It's going to be on Netflix anyway, so you might as well cut caught up early. Yeah. Lately, I've been reading a lot of novels just because I'm kind of burned out on comics. How would you feel about covering uh, either an old title or an indie next week? I'm totally fine with that. Because I would definitely just... I've been reading a lot more of older stuff because I'm actually getting my giant reading stack from (laughs) Midtown that I've been collecting over the past couple months Mm -hmm. and finally making headway into that. And the stories are so much better. Yeah. I'm not even done through the letter A because, you know, I alphabetize it. But I I saw an Elongated Man miniseries in in that collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elongated Man on throwback. You know, I've been wanting to review some old Jimmy comics because Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, hilarious. I loved that series. And I know I ranted about it when we were reviewing the new Jimmy Olsen series. Right. But, like, (laughs) Jimmy does some weird stuff, and I love Jimmy. I love him more all the time. I mean, I would happily cover that World's Finest one I read thanks to John Ridley's Superman Red and Blue uh, editor's note. Yeah, which was nothing like what the editor said it was. (laughs) That was nuts. Um, Yeah, so we could do that. Um, There are some good indies out there I definitely want to draw attention to. I think it would be fun to, like, also pick up some um, infamous ones. Like, maybe even do a series just about the most uh, newsworthy ones of the past decade. <laughs> like, uh, the Bat-Dick episode. Oh, Batman Damned. Yeah, we could also review um, some of the Indiegogo ones that have been getting a lot of, like, love and hate. There are some that have been kickstarted that are just pure chaos in creation and in advertisement. Mm-hmm. Just, like, it's interesting to me how people are growing themselves outside of the big two. Uh So I'm definitely down with it. I just don't have anything in mind in this moment. Okay. So I could prove some stuff. I just feel like I need, like, a feel-good episode. You know, like what we did last... It was, like, we just got so bogged down between, like, the Tom King stuff and the Bendis stuff. Like, we just needed, like, a pick-me-up comic. Yeah. You gotta have, like, a little palate cleanser of CDs. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I think that would be really fun. Okay. It would be fun to do, like, a little trip to the comic shop and see what's over there. Like, check out some of the back issues that are kind of in their clearance pile. Sure. <laughs> see if there's anything good. That's what I always do, is I go over to um, the comic shop, and they have these bundles of mm-hmm. comics that didn't sell. I'll pick up, like, a bundle of 15 of them for, like, five bucks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I don't know if they still do that, because I haven't seen it since the pandemic started, <laughs> but they used to do this, where they would be like, oh, these are a bunch of, like, uh, indies, and they're not doing well, and you go, okay, and I'll take a Dark Horse, and I'll take an Image, and I'll take an Onai Press, and then you take them home. The majority of them will be straight trash. Oh. But, like, a few of them will be total gems. So, that's a good way <laughs> to find <laughs> new comics if you're opposed to reading on the internet what's out. <laughs> But yeah, like, do like the idea of the time-traveling cat. (laughs) Noctera was on my list for a while. I'll pick up the good Asian, because I do like noir. Yeah, but this is... 
It feels like it's going to be a little ham-fisted. It's going to be ham-fisted. It's going to be by porn sack. It's going to be <laughs> the police. I forgot the writer. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry, whoever you are. I feel like he picked that name. I don't believe that that is his birth name. I, I'm going to eat my words when I actually Google him, but... Mm-hmm. What was the other one by Matt Kent? Fear Case. Yeah. Fear Case looked interesting to me. I that picked was it up because at least I know him. Yeah. I know his work. Same thing with Kieran Gillen for Image for that uh, that die one. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he's another one that worked with both DC and Marvel. It wasn't on my first choice. I, d- I probably won't pick up die, but I would pick up Fear Case. All right. And like I said, Beast of Burden, I wouldn't mind reviewing that more in depth because that one was a feel-good one for me. Okay. Well, we got some indies to pick out for next week then. <laughs> oh, no, he's going to hold me to it. All right. Well... <laughs> I'm happy to do whatever. Okay. Well, I'm glad we had that production meeting. Mm-hmm. To the rest of you who stuck it out, thank you very much. If you can think of anything you want us to review, anything that made you feel good that you want to hear us talk about, just let us know. In the meantime, thank you for listening to this week's podcast of The Court of Valets. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Court of Valets. Let us know anything you're thinking of. If you want a new comic, if you hate that we keep talking about Batman, you're like, stop reviewing Batman. Stop talking about Bendis. Or if you want us to review something that's so bad it's funny, those yes. are V's favorite. My favorites are the bad ones, but they really can't be bad ones. That's what it has to be. So just reach out to us. We are very negative people. <laughs> Speak but for that, yourself. I tend to be a very positive person. But you are in denial. You. This brings out the worst in me. Exactly. So, <laughs> so we seem scary, but we are very open to anything you want to hear. <laughs> we will not be mean to you. Even if I you promise. do like Tom King or Bendis. This is true. But anyways, feel free to follow us on any of those, um, talk to us, and subscribe to us on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, or anywhere else you may listen to your podcast. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.